Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to All of the Business. Today, we're going to talk about bureaucracy or red tape. And uh, just like last time, I did a little research on this. This time, it only took 15 seconds, but I found a good definition. You, you want to hear it? Please. A bureaucracy is an organization made up of many departments that are administered by lots of people. Bureaucracy has a bad reputation because it has come to mean an organization of government that is chin deep in red tape and unnecessary procedures. That's from vocabulary.com. <laughs> you don't want to plagiarize. Don't want to plagiarize. So how about that? I mean, I, I had been working at a, a bank, which will be named, nameless, for about 20 years. And if I had to name one thing that caused me to leave that bank and go someplace else, it was all the red tape and how difficult it was to get things done. Yeah, that, that is true, especially in bigger organizations. Uh, you can never get anything done. You know, things like audits. You ever have to go through an audit? Yes, not fun. We used to have to go through all different kinds of audits. Like, um, they were, you know, we're, we were a financial organization, so we had to be audited for compliance with Sarbanes-Oxley. And then we had to be, we had an internal technology audit. And then we had an external technology audit. And all of these people were basically asking us the same questions. They weren't working together. I'd have to answer the same question like three different times. And then they'd come back with, uh, if they found that we fell short in a certain area, then it would up to me to figure out how to fix that. Now, that, that can be a full-time job. It is. I Actually, I, one of my people that work for me, that's basically all she does is responds to audits and uh, regulations and things like that. And the, the interesting thing about that is I really don't have any idea what the rules and regulations are. And it's really not fun to find out that you broke every rule and regulation, <laughs> yeah. which I usually do. I mean, they usually write these regulations from all the things I did wrong. <laughs> but, it's like, it, but some of it is like so absurd. And trying to get an interpretation of regulation internally is a real – that's a real trip, I'll be honest with you. Because nobody knows what the regulations are. Right. So they're trying to interpret regulations. You know, the auditors never really helped us figure out how to fix problems. They just told us there is a problem, and then we'd have to figure out how to fix it, and then we'd go to them and say, is this adequate? And they would say, no, not really. Think of something else. Yes, and the Fed's great with that. They love to tell you what you're doing wrong, but they can't tell you how to do it right. Yes, perfect. They're, they're excellent at that. Well, is this right? Well, maybe. Can you give us a definition on that? Not really. I think they like to drive you crazy, you know. But the worst is the one of the worst things we have to deal with is, um, you know, IT is and disaster recovery. Did you have to do disaster recovery? There you go. That's another thing. We have a disaster recovery plan. If the city's bombed, what good? I mean, really? I mean, where is your disaster recovery plan come into play here? And We've actually, I don't know what, if you were working at the time with Sandy, that was considered a major disaster. So half the city lost uh, electricity. So what was the disaster recovery plan? So we went out to our disaster recovery site. Well, they had no electricity. Well, what rocket science thought of that? <laughs> Shouldn't you kind of thought maybe they'd have a backup generator? 
So I, I don't know what goes into these plans. And then it's like you got to give a phone list, you know. Well, what if the phones are down? You can't right. call anybody, you know. And then we all have where we go if there is a disaster, you know. Hell, I'm getting the hell as far out as these places I can. I'm not sticking around. This right. is like, what was that blue streak that just passed me? Oh, that was Joe with his blue suit on. He just get the hell out of here. But I think the point is that there's no, you know, the, the planning takes up a lot of time, right? And then right. when the actual event happens, all hell breaks loose anyway. Then there's stuff like budgeting. Every year we have to go through. Oh, the worst. And um, we build the budgets from the bottom up. We predict how much money we're going to need to spend during the course of the year. We submit that. It goes to senior management. Senior management says, no, too much. So everybody scratches their head at that time and says, why don't you just tell us the number you want us to hit, right? When I was in one of my first banks, I was at... Uh in charge of several products. And every year, of course, you had that budget. It's always like September, right? September, October. So me and this controller, he walks into the office, and we see this guy there. He was up all night trying to figure out the budget. So we walk in, the guy has a beard, like, you know, like a, he didn't shave, had the same clothes on, and we say, hey, what are you doing? Well, I, I, I'm trying to figure out these numbers. How do we get into these numbers? So me and this guy, we took the, the sheet and we said, how much do they want? 10%. We just took everything. All right, well, we're 2,000 here, 5,000. We finished the budget in five minutes. After this guy spent two days, sleepless nights, trying to figure out how to back into this stupid budget. It's like, hey, pal, doesn't make a difference what we say here. See, that's the whole point about bureaucracy is that a lot of people spend so much time doing it the right way, quote-unquote the right way, and then that doesn't ever come into play. I'm thinking now about performance reviews. Oh, the worst. We have to do those every year, and we actually are supposed to give somebody a rating, right? Right. And then you're told, well, we have to grade on a curve. You give everybody a one or a two, and they look at your number and say, it's not possible. They, you can't have everybody be one. It's not possible. You gotta put a couple twos and threes in there. Exactly. So, so what's what's the point of even doing it? Right. But what we have to do is we have to justify the one. You gotta write like a paragraph on each category. You know, whatever the categories are, we have maybe like fifteen, twenty categories that you rate the person, then you come out with the final rating. After you do all of this exercise, it's not tied to anything. It's not like if I got a one, I get more money. Right. All right, by the way, nobody here, that's what I say. Nobody here's a one, I'm telling you right now. I ain't writing paragraphs. Right. <laughs> Nobody's as far a one. as the two goes, I have to write a half a paragraph. Either you give me something for it, you take care of me financially or with lunches or whatever or gifts, and I'll give you a two. I'm sorry. I'm not sitting here writing things up and making things up for you people. It's not worth it. So why do we have all this red tape? They just, well, just let us run amok. You know that? I wouldn't mind that because you always get caught short, like you said. You know, the policies, I'm sure the policies, if they're there, they're out there somewhere. There's probably reams and reams of pages to read. Nobody's going to read them. And then you get hit with a policy when it's the least convenient time. For example, I went to London a few years ago and... I submitted my T&E, and the T&E was rejected by some clerk in the T&E department because I didn't have prior approval 
for the trip from an SVP. Oh boy. Now I didn't know I needed that. Right. I'm so what did you do? Did you have to well, pay yourself? No, I, I eventually got the money because I complained and I said, come on, give us a break here. And the, the SVP actually did send in the approval after the fact. Right. But, you know, there was a series of phone calls I had to make and emails and conversations, and I had laid out, I don't know, what, $2,500? Um, How's that? Explain that sick feeling when you got that reject back after you spent three grand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. What is this? It's tuna fish for the next three months. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why me? Here I go again. Put that on. <laughs> I didn't even eat a dinner there. I went to stupid pubs. <laughs> yeah. All I had was shepherd's pie. Oh. oh. Why me? Why me? Why do these things always happen to me? <laughs> Senior vice president. I don't even know who that person is. So I guess the Paris trip is out. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think... The people that make these policies give it any thought whatsoever. No, because they don't have to deliver anything. Right. They don't. They don't, they don't have. They, they don't have any clients. They're there excellent. to be like excellent. monitors. That's their whole monitors. That's all they are. Yeah, you're. That's an excellent point. You know, they don't really know the client. They don't know the business application. Why we're using these systems or strategies and so forth. Their job is to make your life miserable. I'm. I'm determined on that. I'm really. I'm convinced. Let's make his life miserable. What can we do? We have one a procedure in place that is totally asinine. We have to push a button to get out of the door. And you got to use your ID card to get back in. So they came up with a policy like if you're holding the door for someone to come in, that person still has to swipe their ID. <laughs> Why? I never do it, right? Who cares? Don't you like breaking policy? That's my policy. Break policy. <laughs> Hold on. Your policy is to break policy. I like that. I'm giving you some applause. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing on Google that you can throw in some effects, so I'm going to go crazy with this. That's, All right. That deserved applause. Sorry to interrupt. A a HR used to say that HR, well, still says to me, is, you know, that's the, that's the rules. And I would say, well, my job is to break the rules. Like, really, every time I walk through that door, I just wave to the camera like it's me. You know, if someone's holding the door for me, I'm not swiping my card. Come on. That's ridiculous. Well, it would be nice, too, if the rules were constant. But the, the thing is, they keep changing them, too. They keep changing them on you. So as soon as you get used to one set of rules, they change it, right? right. Why? Because a new regulation come in or some hotshot took over the department and decided to shake things up or they got a consultant in that said you're doing everything wrong you got to do it this way you know and a lot of the stuff that comes in is completely useless you never see it again I remember once we had to do our own succession plan if, if we were to leave we had to find somebody who was going to take our place and we had to make a profile for that person and list out why they would be suitable to take that job see now you're encouraging people to kill all the people <laughs> Here's my succession plan. I kill everyone. I'm the only one left. I can't lose my job. <laughs> really, this is how you create people coming in with machetes and machine guns and killing people. You can't be doing stuff like that. I don't know. A lot, my point is a lot of the stuff that you're asked to do, you spend a lot of time on it. It's completely useless. They never and, even and put and in the fact. I think the, the policy 
is basically to prevent you from doing your job. So they can have you do all this unnecessary work, which just stops you from doing your day-to-day -day job. So I think the solution is this. We should have a policy committee who looks at the policy makers. Before the policy makers can make their policies, they got to go to the policy community that could then decide whether those policies are correct or not. Yeah. That should give them at least a two-year waiting period, and we won't have to worry about the policies for another two years. Well, I like that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You deserve that. Let me, let me ask you a question here. This is very important. Who is the most powerful guy in the company? Um, well, compliance seems to be the most powerful right now. But you can always get around their policies because we go to the, to the CEO. All right. Here's, here's the answer. You want the real answer? Yes. Here, here it comes. Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> the most powerful guy in the company is the guy who can refuse to do something and stop the whole process. Right. That could be the lowest clerk on the totem pole. I had a project and we had to move something to a server. This clerk, he wouldn't let us do it because we had to have a certain configuration on the server in order to support this package that we port. And that configuration was not the bank standard. So he said, you can't put the software on the server, not the bank standard, I'm not going to do it. Now you had SVPs, you, you, you had all kinds of people higher up wanting this thing, demanding this thing, this is going to be a great you know, service for the bank, it's going to help us really understand our profitability and so forth. And this cat stopped the whole thing. That's amazing. And no one touched him. We had to go to the EVP of technology to get this resolved and it took weeks. Have you ever noticed that guy who says you can't do it is like the biggest nerd you've ever met in your life? His job is his life and he takes it so serious that he can make that, that statement. Yeah. I bet you the guy had a pocket protector, <laughs> right? He wore white short sleeve shirts, yeah. actually wore the same tie and same pants every day. <laughs> and that's the guy, believe it or not, you got to figure out a way to get on his good side. You know, maybe you send him gummy bears or something. <laughs> but you got to find his weakness, you know. <laughs> I think the guy eats Chinese food on Wednesday. Well, let's send him some chicken chamein, you know. And sometimes you can soften that guy up to just trying to, you know, maybe just talk to him. Like, you know, no one ever talks to the guy. Well, since we're we're really stereotyping this guy, maybe what we should do is just buy him like online access to internet porn. I mean, why don't we go there? You know, why don't we just, <laughs> you know, don't give him what he really wants. We were trying to put something in. Now, you know, Oracle. Oracle is a big, the biggest software vendor in the world, right? Yeah. We were trying to put in one of their products, and it was a package, and Oracle again, had it configured in such a way that did not meet our bank standards. So the guys helping us put it in said, well, we really can't have it this way. This is not the bank standard. And I said, well, what are you going to do? This is the package. You know what they told me? Tell Oracle to change it. 
<laughs> okay. Let me call up the CEO of Oracle, Larry. Okay. How you doing, man? Listen, we got a problem here. This software that you've distributed all over the world, you want to change that for us and all your other customers? <laughs> we need you to go into line eight, change field three. Just not working for us. Who, who do I talk to to get this done? All right. Well, anything else come to mind? I think you should play the crickets. Here we go. <laughs> That's the sound that tells us to say goodbye. <laughs> by, by the way, a little, a quick little story about the podcast. We started to see like this huge spike in hits to the podcast. We were getting like a hundred a day. It turns out that there was somebody out in Dubai spamming us. You know, like in an automated way, like some, you know, program took over and just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. Right. So I did some investigation and I was, you know, really disappointed to find out that it was all fake because I was kind of hoping we were really taken off. You know, I, I was thinking maybe we were like the Jerry Lewis of Dubai, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're not? Like, like, you know, one day I'd get a, you know, an email from somebody named Fareed who'd want me to come over and, you know. <laughs> You and me to come over and do a live broadcast. <laughs> a, a consulting gig. Yes. We love you here. We love you here. We would love you to trade our people to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what accent that was. That, that, well, mine? I don't know either, but I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> that, was, that was just some kind of generic overseas accent, okay? Yes. I was thinking this could be a real money-making opportunity. Yeah. So... You just hear a cling. I just heard a. <laughs> yeah, that was a cash register. Listen. Okay. <laughs> but all like our T and E would not be approved going to the Middle East. No, we or or they'd send us there, but we could never get back. Yes. We'd have to drive a camel or ride a camel or something. Jesus. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd wind up in the desert somewhere, you and me. <laughs> sure is hot out here. <laughs> to those of you who are still listening, you know, spread the word. Um, let people know if you like us, and uh, uh, we'll see you next time. A little applause there. A little applause. <laughs> Oh, buttons are dangerous. <laughs>